They call it a pipeline, but those on the front lines know that black snake was sent for us to grow, to shed the skin our ancestors pray, of wounds old and calloused, so that we may stay, so that we may unite, unity our tool. No weapons are found in this court of rule. Men becoming ki'ai, steadfast in their guard, protecting women's hearts as their song become roots, roots to cast out healing for all sentient beings, to honor sacred mother, heart forward we heal. The salmon will run, the mountain will breathe, the rivers will flow. The rainbow is here and prophecy tells us all generations will hear. Nations and our people that been living here for thousands of years. Stand up. We've been fighting for our freedom since the Nina and the Peter and the Santa Maria. Okay, Abre. Welcome to Fanatsu. Um, I'm of course your co-host today, Manny Cruz, along with uh, Miguel. Have a day. Yes, and Miguel got a nice, uh, nice haircut. I did. Lumu. Again, wow. I yeah. I asked I asked my daughter Sumahi, what do you want me to get you for the new year? And she said, I want you to cut your hair. Oh shit. Yeah. So we went and it was a it was a Korean uh, salon and the old woman who cut my hair was was very truthful about how I don't take good care of my hair. Really? She was very much like, You have beautiful hair, but it's so ugly now. <laughs> it's so ugly. You, you must take good care of beautiful hair like you're so ugly now. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, Okay. But but yes. And so, uh, for those of you that sign up as Tulu members, you get a special gif, an exclusive gif of me going like this with my hair, pretending to be Jason Momoa. <laughs> Coming out of the water, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Dang, yeah. Um, speaking of uh, patron tiers, uh, we, we want to say a, a big Cizus Mossy to all of our supporters on patreon.com. Um, we've hit our, our our goal of 20 patrons. Yay. So, si to all of you um, for uh, keeping Fanatsu going, uh, keeping the team growing, um, and uh, keeping us consistent. Uh, we love you guys, truly. Um, and if you uh, like the content that you see today, if you've been watching for a while, you've been you know lurking in the comments section, um, admiring from afar, uh, Maget's beard, and uh, you know. <laughs> Wait, look, do that again. <laughs> it's so underneath. There's a Sanahi underneath. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, please, um, uh, please uh, become a patron. Um, after every show, we record an extra thirty minutes of uh, exclusive content. Um, but you know, for as little as a dollar a month, you you can join the uh, Hatsa tier and uh, keep the show going. For the Hugwa tier, we then get into uh, uh, radical history, and then at the very uh, highest tier, our Tulu tier, uh, you get access to radical readings. Um, so that's an analysis of certain uh, decolonial texts and also um, uh, the PDF files. Uh, you get access to those as well. And um, again, I mean, uh, we had the, the opportunity to go on a, a Boo Adda's uh, Master mm-hmm. Random podcast. And uh, it was awesome. And um, you, you shared how you actually enjoy putting these, ex- these things together, oh, yeah. right? Oh yeah, the the radical history, the secret Guam history podcast is a lot of fun, because as a researcher, you get to, you come across a lot of stuff, but you can't always fit it into an academic article, 
can't always fit it into sort of your curriculum in a class. So what I like about that podcast is that it's a chance for me to share a lot of stories where um, that people have told me that I've come across in research and so on, which I think are kind of cool, which show like the other side of Guam history and Chamorro history. And if you are intrigued at what I'm talking about, then uh, you should sign up as a Hugua Tier member um, because then every week you're going to get an interesting story which you probably wouldn't hear in most other places. These are stories about ancient Chamorro chiefs who fought against the Spanish. Um, these are stories about uh, Chamorros in the military who resisted discrimination and fought against that system. These are all sorts of funny and humorous stories about some, some of them are about figures which you may know about, but it shows a different side of them. And so I really like that. And so if you are interested in learning more about the, you know, the, the, that other side of Guam history, sort of like um, if you know one side of it, you know the Sam, Sam, my dear Uncle Sam, won't you please come back to Guam side, then tune into that podcast and then you can hear some of the stories from the other side. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So that being said, I mean, uh, again, uh, you can go to patreon.com uh, slash Fanatsu uh, and sign up there. Um, we want to welcome uh, Drew Garrido, who just signed up as a, as a Hatsa patron. So thank you very much. And with that uh, being said, I guess we'll, we'll jump into it. I mean, today's sort of um, a little more lax, I would say, but there certainly is a uh, a whole bunch of stuff that that we will and can talk about. I mean, uh, from the programmatic agreement uh, meetings to um, uh, I'm I'm seeing here now that um, the Joint Re Region Marianas uh, Commander Rear Admiral Shoshana Chatfield uh, welcomed uh, Governor Lulian Garo, our new Magahaga, our first Magahaga, really. Um, and we can talk about those dynamics and uh, you know how this is all looking so far in 2019. So. Yeah, what do you want to touch on first? So let's start off with a petition. Okay. And so let's we'll we'll get into why sort of this petition is important, but um, let's let's talk about this petition that's circulating around. Um, Independent Guahan shared it. A lot of other people are sharing it. As of now, it's got more than six hundred signatures, but it is a petition on change.org. And Hannah, if you could put that up. No to the Navy's request for an expanded surface danger zone at the Finnegods and firing range. And so many of you may not know where Finnegodson is or what that's referring to, but this is, goes by a lot of names, NCS. Um, the area we're talking about is the Haputo area. This is the old Artero property. The Artero family refers to it by a lot of different names, such as Matagwak instead of Finnegodson. And so, but ultimately the, the Navy wants to to expand their firing range, uh, their danger zone there. And this could interfere with a lot of different things. But so, all right, so if we look at the text of this petition, it says the military has a long history and track record of going against their own words and promises. Supporting this petition makes it, makes it clear on the record and for the future decisions or changes in the military, foot, the footprint of Guam, foot, excuse me, footprint on Guam will make the will make the U.S. military, the federal government, have no other alternative but to gain consent from the stakeholders and our leaders. Also, it'll, we hope that it will make them adhere to local and federal laws, rules, policies, and regulations. Please sign this petition and make a difference that will benefit our children, island, natural resources, language, culture, heritage, sites, traditions, customs, beliefs, and way of life. And so I believe that Ned Pablo, uh, who was on last week and the week before, 
Um, he is one of the people that started this petition and he's circulating it. And so go to Independent Guahan's Facebook and you can uh, see the, the link there. We'll definitely share the link as well um, in, the, in the comments down below. But please sign on to this petition. Um, if you, uh, and to kind of give some, some of the history of this sort of thing. Because you you may read about this, and actually, Hannah, if you can put on the graphic of sort of the, the danger zone there that the, the military produced on Finnegod's in danger zone. And so when you look at that, you may think, this is not that big a deal. You know, what are we, what are we really complaining about here? You know, this is just a danger zone over the water. And you may think it's just going to interfere with some fishermen's lives or something like that, you know. <clears throat> and so you may think, you know, is this something that we really need to get upset about? Is this something that we really need to sign petitions about, speak out about? And the answer to that, in my opinion, is Hungan, absolutely. And part of the reason is because, as, as we can talk about today, these sorts of decisions get made in an unequal relationship that you may not sort of be against this particular form of military exercises or military expansion, but what happens the next time something mm. comes along that you don't like? It sets a precedent, really. It absolutely sets a precedent. And the pro part of the problem is that we have not had sort of a direct role, a real sort of say in this for so long that uh, people oftentimes assume, well, we just can't do anything about it. Mm. But the reason why you want to sort of pay attention is because more of this is going to happen. There's going to, this is, um, the US military refers to Guam as, and the training areas around it as their playground. They really like the fact that there's so much ocean here, that there's a government which is, and there's a population which is, for the most part, supportive of, the, of military activities. Mm -hmm. They really like this part of the world. It's not just the Keleguin that they like. It's not just the Hinexa Gaga, you know, it's not just the red rice. It's, def it's not just the cockfighting. It is the fact that there is so much freedom here compared to most places in the States mm. and in foreign countries, too. And so we have to, we have to, we have to really think about that. Because if, we don't if we're not a foreign country and we don't have a treaty with the United States, we don't get to sit at the table and sort of make these plans and set the limits for what they can do, then protest petitions, stuff like this is how you can sort of create power, mm. how you can try to force yourself into a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just going to say that um, I actually just signed the petition just now. And that's, that's how quick and easy that was. And I feel like I've already sort of made a difference, I hope. <laughs> and uh, I also see that on change.org, there's also a petition to keep Meiji curls on Guam. I'm not sure how, how that went either, but... I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna I'm gonna sign on to that as well, but I mean, yeah, I mean we're we're talking about establishing establishing precedents, and um, we're talking about how these decisions are made really without um without our consent. So this is an undemocratic process, really, uh, and so is uh, our status quo more generally. Um, and I mean, what what strikes me is just like how much information about um, you know just how often. And historically, how the military has um, infringed on uh, on our rights—not just our rights, but other other um, indigenous peoples as well, and other communities around the world—how how often the military um, does that, and how undemocratic the the military is 
or can be. Um, and uh, thinking about Magua, you know, um, the protests that happened last year after it was discovered that um, there, the site at Magua mm -hmm, mm -hmm. was desecrated. And now they're, they're coming out and basically um, uh, talking about how there's uh, densely scattered uh, areas with uh, artifacts on these uh, places on base where they wanted to expand and build this, uh, these uh, military structures, you know? I mean, what, uh, what, does, that, what does that communicate to you? I mean, I think we, we've got some video to show you guys today and sort of uh, we've got it's I think um, I think a lot of people it'll be good to see the video about the programmatic agreement, the, K, the yeah, KOM yeah. coverage, because um, let's uh, this is we have to kind of understand that Guam is not completely powerless in a situation like this. There are certain rules, right? But oftentimes there are certain federal rules. There's some local rules. And one of the things that's 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 kind of important is this thing called the programmatic agreement, mm -hmm. and that's supposed to um, that's supposed to govern stuff such as uh, cultural properties, artifacts. It's also supposed to sort of uh, govern about people off base and whether you can visit those places, mm. how the how the artifacts, how the areas will be handled. And most people don't know anything about the programmatic agreement on Guam. You know, these are things that the federal government, federal regulatory agencies, the local government that they sort of talk about. Um, but when you watch this this uh, this clip from KUAM, uh, uh, you can see sort of that disconnect. You can see that sort of the military fences and the political status and sort of the the agenda of the military versus the people. Mm -hmm. There's, there's a big wall, a Trump wall. Right. There's a wall that Mexico is totally paying for <laughs> that sort of divides these things. And so, Hannah, if we could, we could watch that one, the, the KUAM news coverage from last week about sort of the, the attempts to renew the programmatic agreement. Hongen, you know. Awesome. How long is this clip? I think it's less than three minutes. It's less than three minutes. All right, how are you doing so far? Nice. Mm. But how nice? Oh, yes. Okay. All right, so we have like five minutes, really. Because after the lag, then the three minutes plays on the video. Okay, shoot. So where are we, where are we going after this? After this clip? So we're going to transition. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about some of those issues there about sort of um, our interests versus the military's interests. Okay. And then you can transition into what you're talking about with Talina. Oh, right, right. Yeah. yeah. Okay, sweet. Sounds good. Because that's great where she says, like, can we have something where there's no military? And mm -hmm. he responds basically says, it's not part of the discussion. Yeah. And that's what the military always says. It's not part of the discussion. Mm hmm. Oh, there's Miss, uh... What? Oh, yeah. <laughs> when the when, when we play clips, like, does it switch back to the last camera automatically, or...? No, I don't. Oh, I see. It'll replay? Mm -hmm. Interesting. We should try out today, um, the, uh, the remote thing. 
like um, you know, because I'll be in I'll be in New Zealand, right? Mm. Or like creating a link on that, and then I'll try and um, I'll try and access the link and then see if, like how steadily okay. the stream that stream can go. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because that'll be interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man. Hopefully we'll have good Wi-Fi. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Shoot. All right. All right, we're back. Okay. Sidus, Masi, Hannah for sharing that. And so um there was a lot of emotion in that. Yeah. And it and it's very, very interesting because even from the perspective of just the emotional content, right? That you have a bunch of military guys in suits or federal sort of federal guys sitting on one side and and then you have on the other side people that are bringing in a lot of history mm. a lot of their emotions a lot of their hopes and dreams into it and then the military is just kind of like telling telling everyone that's not on the agenda yeah that's not uh that's not you know that's not that's not what we're talking about that's limiting not. and framing the discussion at hand right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i mean like what some of the outrage that I saw regarding this article um, or regarding this event was uh, the fact that um, the uh, the military specialists there referred to Chamorros as Chamorans. And I mean, just the fact that you didn't, this guy didn't have the decency and didn't think it was important enough to learn at the very least how to pronounce Chamorro correctly. Um, and he's supposed to be like the, the specialist on um, historical preservation and um, preservation regarding uh, military, um, regarding the military buildup and these, uh, these new uh, infrastructures, right? And I mean, goddamn, like that's, that's so frustrating. And I think a lot of people on Facebook um, really, um, they, they resonate with, with that sentiment. Um, but also like the fact that I'm reading an article now by uh, Anumita Carr, our friend um, at PDN, um, where she she talks about how uh, Talena Nelson, our senator, um, during the meeting asked uh, whether or not it was possible to opt out entirely. Um, uh, she says, uh, is there an option to have no military presence on the island at all? Um, and yeah, the, this guy uh, Abramson stated that the meeting focused solely on the creation of the new agreements, and that basically um, was not part of the discussion. <laughs> you know, like so. Ah oh, man, again, the people's interest versus the military's interest, mm -hmm. and I don't know. That's something that I'm um, like thinking about. Um, some of the stories that I did with uh, Georgie Stockio, mm -hmm. uh, the former um, uh, DC staffer uh, for uh, Antonio Wanpen. Um, like he's from a generation where you would expect them to, you know, be more. Um, they're from that generation that expresses uh, some sort of loyalty or, or at least uh, a gratitude towards the military for um, the the reoccupation of Guam, right? Um, and you know, we talk a little bit about political status, and um, he was very uh, hesitant to explore the ideas of independence, at least with me at that time. And he spoke about the military as. Uh, he, he was like, remember, boy, they're not just the United States' military. They're our military, too. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there is there is that desire from a lot mm -hmm. of people on Guam uh, for for that to be true. Oh, yes. For them, for them to also be our military. Oh, yes. But, 
I mean, it's it's part of our colonial experience, right? That's we can, we're a colony, we're a territory, so we can call our experience colonial, because of the way in which so many of the things around us direct our feelings mm-hmm. towards the colonizer, right? That uh, that and so when you go to school, you learn about the U.S. government, right? You learn U.S. history. You do learn a little bit local stuff, but the United States is the focus. And you can tell it's colonial, right? Because they don't teach you about how you are connected to it. Instead, they teach you about it, mm-hmm. right? So that's why they don't teach you about the Organic Act. They don't teach you about the insular cases. They instead just teach you about the Constitution. Mm-hmm. And so one teacher was uh, one teacher over the over the weekend was talking to me and, and basically saying, you know, I never realized it before, but I'm teaching the kids about a, a bicameral legislative house, a two-house legislature, and it never even occurred to me that that might confuse them because on Guam we only have a unicameral legislature. Hmm. So those kids, some of those kids who are paying attention, they may wonder, wait a second, if if the government, if the greatest government in the world is supposed to have two houses in Congress, how come we only have one? Hmm. And there's never any conversation, right? And so, and I, I hate to say it. I hate to say it, but a lot of that, that those feelings about sort of a, a wishful relationship to the United States, the idea that we're patriotic and that's what really matters, it can help blind us mm. to sort of our the, 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 the real relationship that we have with the United States, right? The tip of the spear relationship, right? That's why if you're going to get a tattoo of Guam to show your Guam, Guam pride, are you going to get where America's day begins? You're gonna get America the tip of the spear. You're gonna get Tanoid Somoro. Like, what's your tattoo choice, mm. right? And it, but it says something. Where America's day begins is almost comes with a wish, right? Mm. That we say it in hope that they will see us, and that if we love them, yeah. they will help us, right? And that's very much the Georgia Stockwell and his generation and their mm-hmm. parents and so on that survived the war. That feeling like we should be patriotic. Because if we're not, they may not liberate us mm. next. You know, then the Japanese will come back. That's why for the, for a lot of those elders, talk of decolonization is scary. Right. Right? But then you have the tip of the spear, which is a little bit closer, right? That's that's closer to, to, to where we are in understanding it, right? Is that the military can have a smiley face, but ultimately they, they're hiding like a big, a big bomb. Right. <laughs> so they got a smiley face like, we love the community. Look at, we'll give you our old computers. <laughs> yeah. We'll give you our old playground equipment, but we oh, also want to bear some bombs. We also want to keep some bombs here. You don't mind, do you? We'll just mind. put these bombs here. <laughs> we'll kill a, a couple hundred uh, or so carabao, you know, behind the fences. And, you know, it's no problem, right? Do some training <laughs> here and there. Just dump, uh, you know, millions of... Uh, uh, pounds of like bullets and shit annually. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm speaking anecdotally, of course, but I mean, yeah. I mean, but I mean, this desire for um, this 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 wishful relationship that that um, many people on Guam want to have with the military is something that's um, that's reinforced by the media and by mm-hmm. um, by leaders as well. Uh, talking about this um, this meeting between uh, Shoshana Chatfield uh, with the uh, Joint Region Marianas and um, you know Lulian Guerrero and um, our new Lieutenant Governor Josh Tenorio, 
Um, Lilian Gro basically said, as we begin our new administration, it is critical that we develop and maintain a strong and mutual partnership with the military on Guam. There are great challenges ahead of us, and I look forward to working with Joint Region Marianas in ensuring a unified voice on issues important to our island and people. And I mean, again, the relationship that Guam has with the military is anything but mutual. Um, and you know, like it's so plain, it's so obvious. Um, you know, and I don't know. I mean, like, what what sort of say do um, our public leaders uh, really think they have? Mm-hmm. You know, like um, like sure, like a lot of this is them just being um, bureaucratic, being uh, you know all this stuff. But I mean, if we want like political progress, you know, like does there also need to does it need to be accompanied by like more um, more fiery rhetoric mm. and, uh, you know like I mean I think I think that one of the things that all our leaders should learn is is a is consistency mm. right so I mean uh, I always I always tell people that part of the reason why the Commonwealth movement kind of didn't go anywhere you could argue the United States wasn't being fair that's true the United States has a very good industry of not being fair I mean it's kind of one of their things they're really good at, at being hypocrites and not being fair absolutely. Um, but part of why you can you can also kind of find some blame on the fact that, as they say in English, people wanted to they wanted their latiza and they wanted to eat it too. If you know English, your song you say that they want their cake, but they want to eat it. They want to have their cake. They want to eat it too, right? And so that idea that you could have it both ways, even if it's fundamentally contradictory, right? So that um, that idea that you could move closer to the United States and also move away from the United States at the same time. And that's that's tough. It's tough to argue that, right? That you should say we want m- more federal funds, we want more integration to the United States, but we also want to have power to move away from the United States. And so we see that the same thing today, right? Where we have even our, our local leaders, we had our previous governor, and I'm sure Lulian Guerrero will also sort of Fall in, will also fall into this too, where you can be hypercritical, you can be like Patrice Lamumba against the US military one moment, condemning them, you're all Hunani K. Trask, you know, you are like Frederick Douglass speaking the ills. You are out there, you are for the people, you are fighting injustice, and the military is the military is the hammer of injustice that pounds into the island destroying laddie stones, artifacts. You can be that person one day and then the next day you are taking pictures with guardsmen and saying, thank you for defending freedom. We love America. You are saying thank you to thank you to this construction company for all the great work you're doing, destroying the jungle up north. You're putting a lone sailor statue uh, in Adeloupe, yeah. you know? And so that's, that's part of the problem. Yeah. Is that you'll speak to one audience one moment and you'll be like, we are, you know, we are a colony and then the next we are a colony and we don't like it and we want change and then the next moment you will speak to another group and you will be like we love being a colony it's really nice and special <laughs> like we're the specialist colony in the world like we're gonna we're gonna have a guam we love being a colony etsy page <laughs> you can buy a little we love being a colony keychains on it where america's butterflies begin <laughs> some bullshit like that but that's the problem is and I hate to say it, but when Lulian Guerrero started and she had that meeting with Trump, mm-hmm. 
you know, where she kind of introduced Guam, I was I was a little bit disappointed uh-huh. because where America's Day begins, yes, that's a tourist slogan, but you will always want to be mindful that the goal is that we get to a a real political status. Mm-hmm. So don't play the the sycophant, the supplicant, sort of the the submersive, uh, excuse me, submissive colonial subject too hard, because then when you demand respect, they'll look at you and say, "Oh, we thought you liked it. Yeah, we thought you liked being treated like that. Oh, you don't like it? Well, you should have said something because every time, every time we made fun of you, every time we destroyed something, you seemed to smile and wave a flag. Mm-hmm. So we thought you were into that kinky colonial shit. Yeah, what's a safe word again? I forgot. <laughs> safe word, freedom. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> yeah but, um, man but so that's what we want sort of for our leaders is is that we want them to be consistent so it doesn't mean that you need to go Franz Fanon mm. although that's nice if we if we want any of the legislature to go full Franz Fanon <laughs> but but you need to be mature about it you can't do the I'm gonna I'm going to lie to this side and this side and I'm going to play all angles and stuff mm-hmm. like that because because then when it comes down to it you've all you've done is weaken yourself. Right. Because all the if you go to if you if you talk about loving being a territory and loving being this this footnote to the United States and then seriously when you go to the United States and ask for freedom when you ask for decolonization all they have to do is show your old tweets. Mm-hmm. And say, oh, but you seem to like it. Yeah, you seem to like the way you are. What is this? Mm. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, like on that, I mean, like we have, we have um, public uh, celebrations, uh, things that you know sort of reinstill uh, a set of values and morals and ideas that we're all supposed to have. And one of those, of course, is Liberation Day, right? And I mean. Like I, I've talked before about uh, doing some of the Beyond Liberation uh, pieces for PDN, and you know um, there are people uh, responsible for you know the coordination of Liberation Day, um, such as like the Mayor's Council, uh, who you know even though they've noted how like public interest in uh, Liberation Day celebrations has waned. Um, they still want to try and make this year's 75th uh, anniversary uh, the biggest, most uh, America-loving, you know, celebration ever in Guam history. You know, and so, like, I feel like that's also part of the problem, mm-hmm. you know, when we're talking about, um, uh, not complacency, but I mean, like, at least uh, being hesitant to, to challenge uh, the military's power on Guam, right? Is that uh, we have these public these these public celebrations like Liberation Day that reinstill uh, these ideas that we're we're supposed to have, mm-hmm. you know? So I don't know, like, yeah, dude. <laughs> no, I mean, I think um, you can't start in any one place, uh-huh. and I think those who lead have to have to have to kind of I hate to say it, they have to lead and grow mm-hmm. up a little bit, right? Is because we gotta, we have to understand like we need to take it seriously. You need to make plans for 10, 20, 30 years down the future. You can't keep sort of planning for, for the afternoon every morning, you know? And so we can do that. And I think Independent Guan in some ways has helped sort of inject these ideas into the discussion. Right. I mean, we do see that, uh, I mean, I think that in, in many ways, what we can see is that the island has been changing 
its understanding of our of our relationship to the military. Mm-hmm. That a lot of time, I, I think we could argue that for much of post-war Guam's history, people didn't feel comfortable sharing critical ideas about the military or its presence on Guam. But we can see that since the 90s, Nashon Chamorro, and then We Are Guahan later, is that it becomes more okay. Mm-hmm. People don't feel as afraid to sort of speak out as they used to. And in fact, now, I mean, some of the public hearings now, like if you just took, even some, some, from some of the public hearings during the first build-up DEIS phase, mm-hmm. some of those hearings went on for like six hours, and you had a lot of people who sounded who sounded like they were revolutionaries yeah. and who were fired up and angry. And so it's it's really nice that, and I feel happy to have kind of been a part of of helping create that space. Um, so many others helped do that too by protesting and by, you know, by enduring the Taima Malau label in the past and, and making it possible so that your average person doesn't feel afraid mm-hmm. to say something, you know? And so I wanted to go to the the petition that we were mentioning. And so if the link to the petition is in the comments if you're watching, and so please do sign up. Mm-hmm. And you can, and people have been leaving comments on it um, about why they're signing it. And it's a really important thing because these are the voices that the military doesn't have to listen to. These are the voices that the, the, the procedure for them to receive comments is designed so that they can ignore it. I know Craig Santos Paris, the poet who, the Chamorro poet who's uh, in UH Manoa, he has written a number of pieces taking the comments from the DEIS period, you know, and and how people would write, a, somebody would write an impassioned statement about war, they're worrying that they're going to lose their island. And then the, the military would just put some formulaic line at the end saying this is not relevant. Or the military is not responsible for this. Yeah. And so it's one of those things, right, is that the military, we on Guam see them as connected so, to so much and having so much, but they see themselves as only being responsible for just a tiny bit, even though they have so much. Mm. And so that's the thing is that people at the, such as the, the video that we saw from KOEM, people bring their concerns to the, to the military. They say, look, you have a lot of power and authority here. You need to hear us. And the military basically says, because of the relationship, we don't have to listen to you. Mm-hmm. And so it's funny because when you look at these comments, people people are making everyday arguments. So one person says, the military has enough space on Guam and they don't need more. They don't even respect our culture. Another person says they have enough of the island's property. Mm-hmm. And so you can see that for these are things that people would feel like a couple decades ago, but you wouldn't say publicly. Yeah. But now people have the space. They say, I want the island preserved to protect the island's natural beauty and resources. I'm signing on because I want my kids to have natural resources in the future. And what's, what's fascinating is that in the past, people always used to see the military as being a better protector of resources, right? I'm, how many of you that are watching have ever um, had that experience where you go on base and everything is so clean mm-hmm. and then you leave base and everything looks so grimy and dirty. And so you have this feeling like the military takes better care of the land. I always used to feel that when me and my grandfather would drive through Tizen after it was returned to Gov Guam, and my grandfather would always say, oh, this place is so ugly now. 
It was better when the military had it. And I would be like, ah, and be like, Grandpa Basta, no. and he'd be like, oh, Magahed, no. It was, it's true. It was so clean. The grass was nicely cut. The houses were nice. And then I would say, oh, but Grandpa, you do realize that even when the military had it and it looked nice, it was filled with asbestos and it was still yeah. toxic for the people who were, who were here. And then grandpa's like, oh, lo bonito. Bonito eats But the grass was so nice. The grass was so nice. And that's one of the things, right, mm-hmm. is that the surface, the military is very good at cleaning the surface, greenwashing the surface, making sure there's no trash, making sure the grass is cut, making sure the houses look nice. Yeah. But in a way, they do that because they're trying to hide something. Mm-hmm. They're trying to hide the fact that there's always horrible contamination on their bases. There's always terrible things there that are oftentimes poisoning their own members. Right, yeah. And so it's a if you if you do sign this petition, go through the comments because there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of good thoughts there. And one of the best things about it is that you will, if you do have critical thoughts, you'll realize that you're not alone. So there's other people out there who feel these things too. Mm. Yeah. Do we do so. have a one question you guys want to? Oh, yeah, answer? sure. Okay. So yeah. it's from our patron, Michael Mediolo Garcia. He asks, can you elaborate on what it means when Vincent Diaz says, reverse the colonial gaze? Mm. I mean, I can only speculate. <laughs> Uh, what Vince Diaz uh, means, a lot of what he says is like way beyond my head. And I, I mean, I'm only five four, but yeah. Anyways, so I mean, speculate, speculate, yeah. Smart. So you know, like reversing the colonial gaze. I feel like you know, there's all this pressure uh, put onto us to. I mean, you, you talked about it before about a. Um, wanting to live up to the expectations of America, like. Um, for like we're we're supposed to feel like we're inferior, um, you know, like that that our own leaders and and the government are you know incapable of um, living up to the um, the standard that America has set. Like we've been given this gift uh, of democracy and like shit. <laughs> I don't know where I want to take that, man. I think like it's the idea that um, reversing the colonial gaze, we need to be willing and able to put pressure on the United States to to live, to live up to its own expectations, to to be um, the bastion of, of democracy that it claims to be, um, to live up to things like um, environmental preservation and uh, promoting the liberation, the the real liberation of peoples. Like those are things that they should be that they should be hounded for. Um, bias in a direct democratic process you know i think that's in a gist what that means you know before i ramble on you know to no end you're 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 going to you're going to go get your phd soon you gotta Uh it's okay to ramble yeah it's okay to ramble (laughs) remember if you if you as a scholar if you ramble just name drop every couple sentences yeah it's okay (laughs) it's okay block quote here block quote there (laughs) We're done. <laughs> but um, to, to what Vince, so there's a lot of ways, as yeah. you were saying, that you can take Vince Diaz's argument. Um, because he uses that idea differently in different pieces. One of them that he uses it is when he's talking about um, 
navigation. Okay. And he's talking about sort of uh, revitalizing uh, Micronesian and Chamorro navigation. And so he uses the metaphor there of, um, he uses the metaphor there of the, of the canoe and the island and like sort of, uh, so one of the things that they say in, in navigation, for example, is that the canoe is the center and you don't move, but the islands move, hmm. right? So the world moves around you and the canoe is the center of the universe. And so we've talked before in the radical readings about Epele Heofa, and he offers in our Sea of Islands a similar sort of reversal, right? Because if you think that islands are peripheral, are dependent, are off-center, are footnotes to the main text, then part of the reversing of the colonial gaze, so that, that view is the colonial gaze. It sets up one side as being dominant, the center, the other side as being peripheral, supplementary, cannot survive on its own, uh, savage, primitive, all of those things. Mm. And so part of reversing that is to centralize the thing, right? So by prioritizing that and making that the center of the argument, the center of the analysis, the center of the gains, right? And so that's very much what you were talking about, is that um, the colonial gaze sets up a certain relationship to the United States, a certain relationship to the military. And in a way, we kind of have to reverse that, right? Um, one of the one of the examples that most uh, every every governor since at least Berdalio, I don't know if I'm sure Carlos Camacho said something about it, but every governor since Ricky Berdalio has their own way of of saying this, of doing their own sort of reversal. But um, but Ricky's was the fame was the most famous though, because if we think about Guam in the United States, we always feel that Guam is is begging for things or pleading mm. for money or asking for things, right? Right. Guam is dependent upon the United States. And so Berdalio famously said when he was asked, you know, how come you're always going to D.C. to ask for money? You know, to he said, I don't go to D.C. to beg. I go to D.C. to collect. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's and almost every single governor has their own has their own version of that. Right. So. Joe Ada would say, for example, that um, Joe Ada would say that the what we get from the United States in terms of access to federal programs, it's not gifts. It's owed us because of what they've taken from us and what they continue to take from us and use. That's ours. Mm -hmm. And so the colonial gaze sets up a particular relationship where you're down here. You're the suffering Chamorro in Meningen who wants the spam that the Marine has. The U.S. is up here, the grand liberator that carries, that's powerful, dynamic, that rules the world, is the greatest in the world, right? And so then if you accept that gaze for viewing life, you're always lesser. Mm -hmm. You always have to measure up. You always have to, to basically try to get yourself to that level and prove you're good enough for them. But the reversing of the gaze switches the positions, right? Yeah. And so... Um, it can have some. It, it can definitely be an important. It's an important step in sort of decolonization. Mm -hmm. Are you and, a Are you a Boondocks fan by any by any chance? Yeah, I used, the to, cartoon. I used to read Boondocks. I haven't watched much of the cartoon. Oh, okay. Though. Well, I mean, uh, have you? What about the uh, the Christmas episode? Oh, okay. Well, basically, in a nutshell, I mean, like he, Riley tells Santa, "It's time for you to pay what you owe, mother." <laughs> like, 
<laughs> yeah. That's basically, I think that's what I get from it, reversing the colonial gaze. But yeah. There's so many different ways. And thank you for that question. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Kazuhu. Okay. Yeah, shoot. Well, there is another question. Mm-hmm. Elders and seniors need to get involved again. Or it's a comment, really. Mm-hmm. Right. It cannot just be the younger generation. There are tons of people at the ra- at the rallies, but they don't write to the mayors, politicians, governors, mm. etc. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which kind of reminds me, what happens when we can't get a hold of our politicians? Mm. So yes, we. I don't know. Maybe we can we could spare a few words on our uh, our new congressman, uh, Mike and Nicholas. Right. Um. He he's gotten into the uh, news cycle once again. Thank you, Hannah. <laughs> Uh, because uh, he apparently has still not established a, a Guam office. So there are people like uh, Chris Barnett who are questioning, like, how do we, the people of Guam, get in touch with our own uh, representative in Congress, right? So I understand you have a, you have a few thoughts on that? Oh, oh of course. Many? <laughs> I have lots of thoughts on yeah. that. I mean, um, I think that... Uh, especially in the climate that we live in now, right, where you have things such as the military sort of increasing their presence on the island, and you've got stuff like comment periods, right? So, for example, this comment period about the Finnegadsen firing range, mm. the media did, did some notification about it. Only 37 comments were submitted, though. And really, the delegates, even if, it's, even if the delegate is transitioning, he, the delegate's office, he or she, they are supposed to basically be the tip of the spear mm-hmm. for those of us in Guam. They are supposed to be in the heart of the federal infrastructure, and they need to take the lead on informing the people about those sorts of things. I'm not saying that the previous delegate did a great job at that, because mm-hmm. I think in, in some ways she was playing her cards very close to her chest to keep from getting criticized. Um, but I hope that the new delegate understands that role. and. I mean, for me, it's, it's very interesting because you have an issue such as the cockfighting issue, you know, which we've talked about on Finatsu a lot and which cockfighters talk to me about all the time. Um, and so that, that ban was on the horizon. It comes down and a lot of those, those, those cockers, those cockfighters, they're, they're looking to MSN to mm-hmm. respond to basically because Lou has said something Tito Terlahi, Speaker Barnes, uh, uh, Senator Marsh Titano, and others have spoken out, and they're 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 meeting with the community and they're collecting thoughts from them. They're talking to them, but there's been a lot of silence from the delegates' office on that. Mm-hmm. And so, and the thing is, and I know that there's a it's a transition. You know, he's transitioning into the office, but at the same time, yeah, that's your role. Right. You know, your your role is not just. It's, it's being, a, being a leader, being elected into that position, it's not just what you want to do. It's, also, it's what the people ask of you. You have to go beyond your comfort zone in a certain way. And so, I mean, I can understand that, you know, Robert Underwood has written that he doesn't think it's possible to sort of, to get past the, the ban or the, rescind, the, the rescinding of the exemption. Mm-hmm. And, but that's not the issue. You gotta, as a leader, you have to take on a lot of fights, even if you may not win them, because you serve the people. Right. It's not just about you and what you want, and it's not just about you and, and sort of what you think is best. A lot of times you have to hear the people, you have to hear their voices and their concerns, and you need to take a stand for them. And so, um, 
that's why the the issue of especially at a time when there's so much I mean in the federal shutdown too mm-hmm. there's so many issues involving the federal government to not have to not have an office here where you can go to yeah you know and people want to know about their war claims applications too you know there's still a lot of questions around that yeah and you got to you know you serve constituent services is is a lot of what people, a, a delegate yeah. does yeah but um you know, as you're, as you're speaking, I, I mean, it just, it reinforces uh, in my mind the idea that, you know, our le- our leaders aren't going to magically become the revolutionary um, leaders that we need or want them to be, right? Um, and if we want, if we want that, if we, if we want to be able to expect that, then as a community, we also need to do our part um, and, and demand those things of our leaders to be the representatives that we want them to be. And so, um, you know, activists, we, we, we get painted into a corner um, and uh, we get painted into a corner and made out to be like some sort of fringe group. Right. But really, um, I think everyone on Guam needs to be an activist for change. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone has to be activated in their own spaces. Everyone needs to be needs to do their part in, um, in being informed and, um, you know, like listening to shows like Fanatsu or getting information where you can, uh, not only from like PDN or the po- definitely not the post, uh, but you know not not just from the these uh, institutions, right? Um, we need to we need to be together, come together um, as a community, and I don't mean that um, in in a cliche way, but really, I mean uh, we need to organize, we need to we need to come together, and you know. That's, that's an important point. I mean, for, for everyone watching, remember that Guam is a small island. Yeah. And a small group of people on a small island can affect a lot of change. Um, and so always remember that. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, next time you see a senator, go to your family, Lasadzu, talk to them about some of these issues. Yeah. And, you know, they got to respond. They, they'll have to respond. And so take advantage of the fact that we are a small community. We could be a very vibrant democracy. Right. We could be a very vibrant democracy. Um, but we got to kind of stop following the American way. Mm-hmm. You know, the, this, this, the detached sort of watch from a distance way. And we need to sort of, yeah, start getting into it. And so yeah. <laughs> try with a, I definitely think that um, this issue around firing rage expansion programmatic agreement um, we have a legislature which for the first time is is really on the on the on, you know at the very front of these issues is, is ahead of the game they're they're paying attention because we've got people mm. for the first time in a long time that ran on the idea of criticizing military yeah. increases for Guam people and to think that there would be a senator who would say to a, a military you know a, a federal official, is there any way we could not have the military yeah. in Guam instead of having to deal with this crap? That never would have happened before. Mm-hmm. I mean, that never ever would have happened before. I mean, even if you may think that some governor or senator like of 20 or 30 years ago was really radical, mm-hmm. hell no. They never would have said anything like that. But we've come to a point, though, where we are waking up. Right. We're opening our eyes. You know, we're... We're, uh, we're following the right media sources, we're reading the right books, we're talking to the right people more than ever. And so we're thinking about it and we're realizing this is a messed up relationship. Mm-hmm. Like this relationship doesn't make sense. And so put your name on the petition. 
approach your senators, talk to them and let them know that us not having any power, us not having any say over what the military does here mm-hmm. is not good enough. And that even if we can't do anything directly now, political status change has to be the long-term solution. Right. It has to be that long-term solution. Get get a have that ability to say no. Have that ability to negotiate. Mm-hmm. Um, no red lobster until we have our freedom. <laughs> right. That's a whole other conversation. I'm just coming up with ideas here, guys. I mean, <laughs> no, I think we're holding yeah. the red lobster hostage. Right. <laughs> until that, until that. Enough is enough. We <laughs> have one more Be question. Do you want to get something? Sure. So, speaking of stepping away from America, uh, Michael is asking Do you happen to know any movements or discussion about the public school curriculum on the island of Guam to mm-hmm. locals? Very cool. Very yeah. cool. Yeah. And so, um, in the past, there was there was discussion about that, and they did cr- produce some textbooks. And in fact, I don't know if he's still watching, but Vince Diaz was watching earlier, and Vince Diaz, uh, Professor Vince Diaz, he was part of the crew that wrote some of those textbooks f- through the Haleta series in the past. And so um, he's a uh, and so those books some of them are better than others. Some of them are really you know really strong, have tell really good stories. Um, but they were used for a period and then they're not commonly used anymore. Um, and so it, it's kind of unfortunate, but there have been efforts in the past. There is a move now to, to sort of revisit that in a very different way, and that's through the social studies curriculum. And so UOG Press, uh, Mark here at UOG, is uh, being contracted to produce new middle school and I think some elementary school social studies texts. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the things that, that I'm working on with uh, Robert Underwood is that we're supposed to, me and him are supposed to produce a fifth grade social studies textbook together, which, which basically reverses the colonial gaze that mm-hmm. focuses the learning of social political concepts mm-hmm. in Guam and Micronesia first before moving to the United States. So prioritizes where we are, the lives that we live, our neighbors around us, and then moves to the United States. And I'm very excited about that um, because it's not the type of thing where it'll change things overnight. Like cur- curriculum changes happen sort of at the, the movement of a glacier, right? The next generation, you start to see the impact. But I'm hopeful, though, because this is something that has been a long time coming, yeah. refocusing the curriculum so that we understand better our place in the world. Mm. Yeah. And so, Sidus Masi, Apurena Nafanaisen. All right. Any other questions? I think okay. that's it. Yeah, yeah. Sidus Masi again. Thank you. Um, if you enjoyed the show, uh, don't forget, you can sign up as a patron at patreon.com slash fanatsu. Sidus Masi to our now 20 uh, patrons who who support the show and and keep the show free uh, for the masses for the people, um, and with that I guess we're gonna go ahead and get started with uh, some radical history, radical yeah. readings. Before we go though, every time a new patron signs up, Manny does a happy dance. He does no 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 don't show it. Oh that's right. Don't yeah. show it. Remember <laughs> that we we talk about it, but we never actually let anyone see it. Uh, what it is? Yeah. But he did do one once where he was holding sort of bottles of beer around while he was dancing. It was cool. Mm-hmm.
his happy patron dance was very cool. Now he looks confused. Yeah, yeah. I mean, ask Matsalik. I'm sure Matsalik knows oh, yeah. what it looked like. But um, but anyways, yes. So please do sign up. And yeah, it will say out just now. But if you're a Hugwa or a Tulu subscriber, then you'll be coming back to look at my my hair uh, in just a couple minutes. Sidos <laughs> Masi. Thank you. Now they poison in the waters for our sons and our daughters, so we on the frontier. We won. One nation, one cause, one people, one tribe. Now it's us against the pipeline. Get on your feet for Stanley Rock, and we'll show you how strong we could be when we unify. To all my native people, Planet Earth, it's been spinning, we've been living and dying, but giving birth the first of many nations, celebrating them days when all that got made came after what got me. These days we cater to these internet memes, internet streams, it seems them streams aren't clean. We need the whole story seen, we're hassling before water has gasoline in it. Malcolm X moment, Martin Luther King with a dream and war boning. Wounded knee plus Alcatraz dog on it. This is for the rock with prayers we stand on it. Oh yeah, we playing on it. The earth we camp on it. In a sweat lodge, singing our songs with grandfather's heat rocks all in the spot. We splash on them with a beatbox from my boy B Jam on it. Said a prayer for the black snake killers. Train on the front lines, they you're the realest. Stand for your people, stand for your family. Stand with standing rock, stand for humanity. It takes a group of people who actually care about you know mother earth and life and water being sacred and the land being sacred to say we stand up Mini Wachoni, water is life. Mini Wachoni. Water, water is life. Water is life. Water is life. Water is life. I stand. I stand. I stand with standing rock. I stand with standing rock. I stand with standing rock. Stand up. Stand up. Stand up. Stand up. I stand with standing rock. Stand up. To all my native people. Woke up with giant. We won't go quiet. Don't mistake our peace as we stand and fight. To all my native people, it's the calm before the storming. I can hear it coming. To all my tribal people, I'm ready for the battle when we ain't running. Stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up. Is on a sad repeat. Is it liberty or we just acting free as our land depletes from these hands of greed? See, fate is found. How we face the hounds. Take a vow for these sacred grounds. Make a sound that'll shake it out. 
Say aloud what can save us now. Can save us now. Save us now.